Welcome to Read By, a new podcast where today's finest authors read what matters to them, from their homes to yours. In this episode, Margaret Atwood reads selections from her book, The Tent. To learn more about her choices, check out the episode description. And now, Read By, Margaret Atwood. This is Margaret Atwood, reading from my book called The Tent, a piece called Our Cat Enters Heaven. Our cat was raptured up to heaven. He'd never liked heights, so he tried to sink his claws into whatever invisible snake, giant hand, or eagle was causing him to rise in this manner, but he had no luck. When he got to heaven, it was a large field. There were a lot of little pink things running around that he thought at first were mice. Then he saw a god sitting in a tree. Angels were flying here and there with their fluttering white wings. They were making sounds like doves. Every once in a while, god would reach out with its large furry paw and snatch one of them out of the air and crunch it up. The ground under the tree was littered with bitten-off angel wings. Our cat went politely over to the tree. Meow, said our cat. Meow, said God. Actually, it was more like a roar. I always thought you were a cat, said our cat, but I wasn't sure. In heaven, all things are revealed, said God. This is the form in which I choose to appear to you. I'm glad you aren't a dog, said our cat. Do you think I could have my testicles back? Of course, said God, they're over behind that bush. Our cat had always known his testicles must be somewhere. One day he'd woken up from a fairly bad dream and found them gone. He'd looked everywhere for them, under sofas, under beds, inside closets, and all the time they were here, in heaven. He went over to the bush, and sure enough, there they were. They reattached themselves immediately. Our cat was very pleased. Thank you, he said to God. God was washing its elegant long whiskers. De rien, said God. Would it be possible for me to help you catch some of those angels, said our cat? You never liked heights, said God, stretching itself out along the branch in the sunlight. I forgot to say there was sunlight. True, said our cat, I never did. There were a few disconcerting episodes he preferred to forget. Well, how about some of those mice? They're mice, said God, but catch as many as you like. Don't kill them right away. Make them suffer. You mean play with them, said our cat. I used to get in trouble for that. It's a question of semantics, said God. You won't get in trouble for that here. Our cat chose to ignore this remark as he did not know what semantics was. He did not intend to make a fool of himself. If they aren't mice, what are they, he said. Already he'd pounced on one. He held it down under his paw. It was kicking and uttering tiny shrieks. They're the souls of human beings who have been bad on earth, said God, half closing its yellowy green eyes. Now, if you don't mind, it's time for my nap. What are they doing in heaven, then, said our cat. Our heaven is their hell, said God. I like a balanced universe.
Chicken Little goes too far. Chicken Little read too many newspapers. He listened to the radio too much and he watched too much television. One day something snapped. What was the final straw? Hard to say, but whatever it was, it shouldn't have made him hysterical. Most folks take such things in stride because whining is so unattractive, but not Chicken Little. He always had a short fuse. He went running down the street, cheeping at the top of his lungs. The sky is falling, he cheeped. Oh, for heaven's sake, said Henny Penny, who was loading groceries into her four-wheel drive supervan. Chicken Little, this is a public place. You're making a nuisance of yourself. But the sky is falling, said Chicken Little. I'm sounding the alarm. You sounded the exact same alarm last year, said Henny Penny, and the sky is still in place. Last time I looked, she added with heavy irony. The sky is falling is a metaphor, said Chicken Little huffily. It's true that the sky really is falling, but the falling of the sky represents all sorts of other things that are falling as well. Falling down and falling apart. You should wake up. Go home, have a beer, do some meditation, said Henny Penny. Whatever, you'll feel better tomorrow. But the next day came, and Chicken Little did not feel better. He dropped in on his old friend Turkey Lurkey, who taught at an institution of higher learning. The sky is falling, said Chicken Little. That's one analysis, said Turkey Lurkey. But there's a, there's a data to show. It isn't the sky that's falling, it's the earth that's rising. The rising of the earth is simply displacing the sky. It's due to natural geocyclical causes and is not the result of human activity, and therefore there is nothing we can do about it. I don't see that it makes a blind bit of difference whether the earth is rising or the sky is falling, said Chicken Little, as the end result in either case will be that we are minus a sky. That is a simple-minded view, said Turkey Lurkey with offensive condescension. Chicken Little slammed Turkey Lurkey's office door, causing Turkey Lurkey's cork board decorated with clever newspaper cartoons to fall onto the floor. Then he took himself off to Goosey Lucy, his old roommate, who is now the editor of a major newspaper. The sky is falling, said Chicken Little. It's your duty to write an editorial about it. If you'd said the stock market is falling, that would be news, said Goosey Lucy. Granted, the sky is falling in parts. We're not unaware of it, but the experts are working on it. They'll have a fix very soon. Meanwhile, no need to trigger a panic. Chicken Little went away disconsolate. He took refuge in a bar. He had a few drinks. Drowning your sorrows, said the bartender, whose name was Skunky Punky. The sky is falling, said Chicken Little. They all say that, said Skunky Punky. The bitch not treating you right, so get a different chick if you want my opinion. Play some golf. Work off some energy. Do you good. Golf greens have toxic chemicals on them that will give you cancer of the gonads, said Chicken Little. What sort of bullshit tree-hugging crapola are you giving me, said Skunky Punky, who was tired of his job and wanted to pick a fight. Excuse me, said Ducky Lucky, who had been eavesdropping. I couldn't mind overhearing. I'm the president of a lobby group dedicated to solving the very same sky-oriented deficiencies that appear to be disturbing you. It's not something you can take on alone. Together we can make a difference. Got your checkbook handy? Chicken Little rejected this kind offer of assistance. 
He formed a group of his own called TSIF, an acronym for The Sky is Falling, as he had to explain carefully to journalists at first. He launched a website. Soon he had a dedicated pack of disciples. They were mostly woodchucks and muskrats, but who cared? They picketed political gatherings, they blocked highways, they disrupted summit conferences, they carried big signs. Take back the sky. No sky, no pie, no sweet by and by. The sky's our limit. This is getting serious, said Hoggy Groggy, who is head of a large development company that sold retirement home properties in the sky. He himself lived in a bunker designed to protect him from the large chunks of sky that were now falling at random intervals and in unpredictable locations. He called in Foxy Loxy. Foxy Loxy moved in the shadow world. He did nasty things for a price and was a devotee of zero accountability. Guys gotta put food on the table was his motto. Not that he bothered much with tables. As far as he was concerned, they were a frill. This chicken what's-his-name twerp is making a dent, Hoggy Groggy told Foxy Loxy. He's giving me a headache. He's against progress. You should put him out of his misery. I eat guys like that for breakfast, said Foxy Loxy. It's the best method. There's no mess except maybe a couple of feathers, and they never find the body. What'll you pay me? The sky's the limit, said Hoggy Groggy. And so it was. Winter's Tales Once upon a time, you say, there were germs with horns. They lived in the toilet and could only be defeated by gallons and gallons of bleach. You could commit suicide by drinking this bleach, and some women did. The young look up at you wide-eyed. Or maybe they look down at you. They've become very tall. How young are the young these days? It varies. Some of them are quite old, but they're still credulous because you were there once upon a time, and they weren't. Not only that, you say, you're enjoying this. There were no bare midriffs, and only sailors and convicts had tattoos. There were no telephones. There were no vaccinations, so you couldn't call the doctor when you were dying of burst glands, of stagnant intestinal bloats, of webs inside your throat, of brain fever. If you had unprotected intercourse, your nose dropped off a lot sooner than it does now. The young are still listening. Do they believe you? Have you been sensational enough for them? Certainly hope so. If you were a married woman, it was all over at 30, you say. You were doomed to put on a print dress and a rubber girdle and sit in a rocking chair on the porch. There were porches back then, fanning yourself because there was no air conditioning, and talking about your flat feet, your sciatica, your varicose veins, and the snoring habits of your husband, whose shirts you had to iron every Tuesday. Mountains of shirts. All of these were metaphors for unsatisfactory sex. At this, there are a few giggles. But you don't want the past to be taken lightly. It cost too much. It deserves respect. So now it's time for the serious artillery. Let me tell you about meatloaf, you say, lowering your voice. 
as the already pale faces around you turn ashen. Yes, meatloaf, meatloaf and enemas and bulb-headed syringes used for what they called feminine hygiene. The three are not unconnected, you say, in a thrilling whisper. By now, the young are staring at you with fascinated horror, as if you're about to pull off one of your legs, revealing a green and mossy amputated stump. War stories, that's what they want. War stories and disgusting menus. They want suffering. They want scars. Shall you tell them about pot roast? But that might be going too far. Anyway, you've excited yourself enough for one evening. Nine Two Y's Red By is produced and commissioned by New York's Nine Two Y Underberg Poetry Center, a home for live readings of literature for over eighty years. To invite more authors into your home, subscribe to Nine Two Y's Red By wherever you download podcasts. If you enjoyed this recording, please share it with a friend. Tag us on Twitter or Facebook, 92Y Poetry Center, and let us know your favorites. If you extra enjoyed and you're able in this uncertain time, please visit 92Y.org slash help now to donate to support 92Y and its new digital programming. We rely on your contributions. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Find more great readings at 92y.org slash archives. <laughs>